Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <gasps> ooh, we will have to see. Ooh, baby, ooh. The return of Phoebe. Does Phoebe come to save the day? <laughs> <laughs> What's good? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I'm a grown man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, but I'm reading them for the first time as an adult because I'm on a quest to determine if this is a book series that we've all been sleeping on as a society, but I am not alone on this quest. I am joined in person by someone who is usually behind the scenes, but now is in front of and behind the scenes for this episode. It's our editor, Sherry Guo. Sherry, how's it going? Hi, it's going great. I've had a great summer in New York. Yes, it's been very fun to have you here helping out with a lot of different things for a lot of different podcasts. And we're recording this on August 25th, the day after the first ever TNO live (laughs) show, which was very fun. If I sound a little tired, it's because I am. And it was a very fun show. You helped out with the Q&A portion, which was super fun. And I had a blast. Did you have a blast? It was so much fun. Good. Okay, good. Glad to hear it. I had a good time. Seems like everybody watching in person and streaming wise had a good time. If you are listening to this after the fact, you can still watch the video of it. If you go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch, you can download that video replay, which had seven camera angles, which was wild and I didn't know was happening until after the fact. But yeah, it was a wild, fun, ridiculous evening in New York City. Very, very entertaining. I'm glad. I'm glad. And no, I didn't pay you to say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, you did not. (laughs) I pay you to edit. We are here to discuss chapter 14 of Percy Jackson and the Titan's Curse. You called dibs on this many, many moons in advance. And I didn't know what happened in the chapter, but I knew that it was going to be something intense because there were a lot of people that requested if I was to record me reading a chapter. Chapter 14 had lots of requests. So I didn't know what was going on, but I knew it was a spicy one. So when you asked for it, I was like, all right, let's go. So let's get into it. But before we do, I think you've already touched on this, but just to make sure we're covering our bases here, as a repeat guest, (laughs) you get to answer your godly parentage I know you think of yourself as a child of Athena, but have quizzes confirmed that for you? Yes, they have. Even when I tried to game it to give me Poseidon, because when I was a kid, I was so torn between being a child of Athena or a child of Poseidon because Percy's the main character and like, Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to be the main character? Of course. But also blue was my favorite color. Mm. And even though I didn't like going into the water, I liked water type Pokemon the best (gasps) and water fairies best in like the Pixie Hollow universe. So I was like trying to game it. But even when I tried to game it, on a couple of the questions, it always gave me Athena. So I think that confirms. Nice. Amazing. What is your favorite water type Pokemon? Vaporeon. Oh, Vaporeon's Big really fan. good. Okay. Nice. I'm glad I was worried because of the age difference. You were going to say some Pokemon <laughs> from Gen 6 or whatever. No, that I I've stopped never heard of. playing Pokemon after Diamond and Pearl. Okay. I stopped after Yellow. So <laughs> <laughs> I was a nine-year-old little hipster that was like, oh, they're making new ones? I'm out. But no, Vaporeon is really good. And did you do Pokemon Go when it was going around? I did for like 
two days, but then uh-huh. I went on a run to capture Pokemon and I tripped on the sidewalk <gasps> and cracked my phone screen. <gasps> so then I deleted it and stopped playing Pokemon altogether. Man, man. Well, in Pokemon Go, Vaporeon was very, very strong, at least when they only had the Gen 1 Pokemon. Like Vaporeon was one of the go-tos, very powerful. Gosh, society. It's funny that society's only gotten worse since we stopped playing Pokemon Go. It really has. Summer 2016 hasn't been as good since. (laughs) So we're here to discuss chapter 14. I have a damn problem. And once I read the title, I said, all right, the damn thing. It's finally here. Because I didn't know what the damn was. But from even before I posted the trailer for the newest Olympian, I knew there was some sort of damn something. And it's not necessarily the fault of the TNO audience. There's just various meme accounts and things out there that have either damn in their name or use damn in posts. So I knew damn was something and it is upon us. So my guess just based on the chapter title was that they go to the Hoover Dam and something goes wrong. Here we go. You've been to the Hoover Dam, right? Yes, I have. Okay. When we get to the Hoover Dam, which, spoiler (laughs) alert, we will get to, I would love to hear what it's like. Because I've never been. But geographically, I figured, okay, dam, yeah, they're probably going to the Hoover Dam. There's only so many dams that exist. Exactly. I don't know of another famous dam. Is there? I I don't think so. I'm sure someone's going to be like, oh, my God, (laughs) the Jefferson Dam, come on, you know. But now I've realized, because where we last left our heroes... As I read live on stage for the show, Bianca has been lost in the land without rain. She went into the heel manhole cover to destroy the giant and she's disappeared, which I think is okay because at least she's not confirmed dead. I think she's going to be all right. But I believe my most recent prediction, I thought that Thalia would get lost. I didn't think that Bianca could because the prophecy says that hunters and campers combined prevail so i thought when they got to the end it had to be two from each so maybe i'm just on a plural technicality here but i got way too caught up in the minutia of the prophecy apparently mm, interesting <gasps> Ooh, we will have to see oh maybe ooh, you know kelly yeah. and i were discussing backstage when you were reading live <laughs> yeah because i mean hmm it's i guess either like the return of Phoebe. Does Phoebe come to save the day? <laughs> Maybe another hunter will come through. But yeah, that was at least my reasoning for why I didn't think that Bianca would be gone. But she is gone. I think she's going to be okay. But we continue. The team finds a tow truck that Percy describes as, quote, so old it might have been thrown away itself. But the gas is full and the engine starts. So they decide to take it. And Thalia drives because she's the least shook out of the whole crew. And she reminds them that the skeletons chasing after them warrant that they gotta just keep moving. They drive through the desert. Percy still has the little figurine, and he can't even tell what god it was supposed to be, which feels incredibly convenient. Hmm. It has me a little worried because my prediction, at least what I thought in the last episode, was that it was Hades, because maybe Hades is the parent of Nico and Bianca. But Percy's met Hades. So I wonder if it could be the figurine of someone else that he hasn't met yet. He hasn't met Hephaestus yet, but I don't know. I still want to lean towards Hades, and maybe it's just like a different artistic representation of him or something. But I felt a little more unsure of it since Percy really called out not knowing who it was supposed to be. And he has met Hades before. Now, Percy thinks that Nico would know. And then he remembers, oh, 
God, I'm going to have to tell Nico what happened. This sucks. Yikes. Yeah, not what you want. And then he also thinks that he has a sinking feeling that Bianca might be gone for good, which I doubt. I don't think this is the case. I think she's going to be okay. I really hope I'm right because now I'm really doubling down apparently. Percy says to Grover that it should have been him. And Grover tells him not to say that. And then Grover, in a very emotional moment, which I thought was surprising, says, quote, it's bad enough Annabeth is gone and now Bianca, do you think I could stand it if, and then he sniffles, do you think anybody else in italics would be my best friend? Emotion from Grover. Grover. I know. Why does he think no one would like him? I know. He's so likable. He's so infinitely likable. I hope that Grover knows how much we all love him. (laughs) All fans, us on the podcast, he's so great. Percy tries to comfort him, but Grover insists that he's okay. And the narrator Percy explains that he's been very emotional ever since the pan event. And I think this makes a little more sense. I wondered during the live show what had gotten into Grover because during that last chapter, he's picking up stuff. He's throwing things at the toes. It just feels like he's acting very differently. So maybe his emotions running wild is why he's acting up a little. But yeah, I feel like Grover is a little more reserved than this. So for him to have a moment of vulnerability made him just even more endearing and even more lovable. Now, Percy uses Grover's emotions as justification for him pushing things aside and focusing on what's ahead because Percy thinks, well, if Grover's being emotional, I can't be emotional. And I don't know that that's healthy, but I guess it's good to not dwell on things that are out of your control. Yeah, I wonder if like, because they have an empathy link. Like, Does it work both ways or can only Grover Mm. feel Percy's emotions, but Percy can't actually feel Grover's? Hmm. I don't remember if that's like expanded on more. I think it is a two-way thing. At least it's been locked in that they still have it. But Percy is perceptive enough where he can kind of read people's emotions anyway. So maybe that's all right. But I don't know. I just hope Percy's okay. I don't want him to just kind of suppress and compress his emotions deep down inside. Get these kids therapy. Yes, please. The tow truck runs out of gas at the edge of a river canyon. And it's also where the road ends, which again feels awfully convenient. (laughs) Thalia then gets out and slams the door and a tire blows out. And that actually had me legitimately worried that the truck might be cursed. It's already kind of suspicious that a perfect means of transportation (laughs) is there. Now it's breaking down at the exact right moment. I don't know. It just felt really weird. We'll see if it's anything. It's not. Percy notes that they are still surrounded by desert and the river isn't very big, only about 50 yards across, but it features green water with some rapids and it carves a huge scar out of the desert. There's these rock cliffs that drop very, very far below. This is the Colorado River, right? I guess. I'm not positive. Colorado River Hoover Dam? Question mark into Google. Hoover Dam is a concrete arch gravity dam in the Black Canyon of the Colorado River on the border between the states of Nevada and dot 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 Arizona. So I guess the Colorado River. Well done. I'm not well versed in Western geography, but I will be going to Denver in October. Grover points out a path to the river. Percy identifies it as a goat path and Grover doesn't see the problem, which is a great (laughs) bit. Percy reminds him that the rest of them aren't goats, but Grover says he thinks that they'll be fine. Narrator Percy then says, I thought about that. I'd done cliffs before, but I didn't like them. Then I looked over at Thalia and saw how pale she'd gotten. Her problem with heights, she'd never be able to do it. And again, we have thoughtful King Percy Jackson. Mm -hmm. But also, 
I'm just imagining Grover carrying the entire team on his back, literally trampling down this little goat path off the side of the mountain to get to the river. He's done it figuratively. Now he could do it literally. I know it's a thing, at least in the Grand Canyon. I once was going to do a Grand Canyon hiking type trip where I don't know if it was goats. I want to say it was donkeys, maybe. But you definitely rode on an animal, either up or down one of the directions. I didn't end up doing this, though, because I was planning the trip during the summer before my senior year of college with my girlfriend, who then broke up with me on the first weekend of school. (laughs) And then they still went on the trip. My roommate still went on the trip. Never told him about it. I'm still pretty bitter. (laughs) Omar, if you're listening, come on, dude. How could you? (laughs) Percy suggests that they go further upstream. Grover tries to push back, but Percy insists. And then Percy shoots a look at Thalia, and she gives him a look that reads... Thank you. I love this. I like them working back to a place of less contention. So they walk about a half a mile to an easier slope to descend, and they find a closed canoe rental place. Percy leaves a stack of drachmas and a note that says, I owe you two canoes. It's very cool that this rhymes, but what if this is not run by an ancient Greek type character? Right. Like, does the mist convert drachmas to cash? Or do they just see a pile of random gold coins and are like, thanks, but what am I supposed to do with this? Right. Is this like tokens like for a game machine? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they just look like Chuck E. Cheese tokens. Cool. What am I going to do with this? Yeah, I'm very intrigued. And also a stack, a stack for two canoes. It kind of feels like drachmas should run by John Wick rules. I don't know if you've seen the John Wick movies. I have not. But they have a currency system where they just have these gold coins. And they explain this in the trilogy, but Basically, the coins are less about a coin is worth a certain amount, and it's more of just a transactional type thing of you help me out with something, I give you a coin. So you'll see things in the movie where you give a coin and then someone gives you a bulletproof tailored suit. But then also, if you go to the bar in the safe haven hotel, a drink costs a coin. So it's not necessarily about the price. It feels like this too. You Maybe you give two drachmas at most, but a <laughs> stack? You might need those, Percy. Also, how- Where did he get the drachmas? I think he just left with them. He didn't get to pack, but I think he had a stash of them, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he was just carrying them around. I'm sure he had them at some point. Or maybe they're from Zoe's backpack or something. That's also possible, is that along the way, someone else had drachmas. So Zoe says that they must go upstream because the rapids are too strong. And narrator Percy notes that this is the first time she had spoken since the junkyard, and she sounds rough, almost like she has the flu. So I feel really bad for Zoe. Percy says that he can handle the rapids due to his whole son of Poseidon nature, and he puts the canoes in the water. It did take me a second to remember, oh, right, he's the son of Poseidon. (laughs) Thalia pulls him aside to thank him. He goes, add, no worries. And then she tries to confirm with him, can you control the rapids? And he says, quote, I think so. Usually I'm good with water, which I couldn't tell if it was a joke or him being a little not fully confident in his abilities. And that had me worried. But thankfully, everything's okay. He's very straightforward with his humor. Yeah. And I think it was that. At least that's how I read it. Yeah. Either him being straightforward or just some dry humor, just very straight down route one. Yeah, I'm usually good with water. She then asks Percy if he will go into a canoe with Zoe because Thalia can't stand being in the same boat with her because she's starting to worry Thalia just with how sad she is. Percy doesn't want to do it, but he agrees to do it. Thalia says that she owes him one. Percy says, you owe me two. And she says, one and a half. 
<laughs> and then narrator Percy says, she smiled, and for a second, I remembered that I actually liked her when she wasn't yelling at me. And I really want them to rekindle the friendship because they're so good together. Here, I kind of got like Percy and Annabeth friendship vibes yeah. too. And now he has that with Thalia. Mm-hmm. Good banter. Yeah, it's good. And it clearly shows that you can have a friendship that doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic interest. Similar kind of playful vibe, but there's no sort of feelings beyond that. Once they hit the water, some naiads are staring at Percy, and they look like regular teens you would see in a mall. Percy says, hey, they giggle, and then he begins to ask if they can take them upstream, and before he even finishes, they start whooshing them upstream. Zoe grumbles that she hates naiads, and then they splash her with water, which causes her to call them she-devils, and she wields her bow, and Percy tries to calm her down, assuring her that they're just joking around, and Zoe mentions that they've never forgiven her, and Percy asks what she means, and Zoe says it was a long time ago, and she doesn't elaborate further. I really want to know what's up here. I want to know... Is Zoe like a real character from Greek mythology or is she just a Rick creation? I'm definitely going to ask Dr. Moya this because as this chapter goes on, Zoe either is a Greek hero, tragic character of sorts, or it's an incredible workaround from Uncle Rick to find a way to add her even though she's non-canonical. I'm very interested. As they continue up, Percy tries to put Zoe at ease by saying, it's his fault, not hers, that Bianca is lost. Narrator Percy says, I figured this would give Zoe an excuse to start yelling at me. At least that might shake her out of feeling depressed. <laughs> Instead, it makes her sad. She admits she pushed too hard to get Bianca on the quest. And Zoe says that she recognized Bianca's power and her kind heart, and she thought that Bianca could be the next lieutenant. And that confuses Percy because Zoe is the lieutenant. He says this to her, but Zoe states that nothing can last forever. And I thought that was pretty rich coming from the immortal person. <laughs> I also want to know more about the rules of the hunter's immortality mm -hmm. because Zoe drove the van earlier in the book, and if she's, like, the size of a 12-year-old, can she, like, magically extend her legs to reach the pedals mm -hmm. or are the hunters frozen in time physically but only artemis can change because she's a god i want to know more you know maybe she's a tall 12 year old i don't know <laughs> maybe she's lanky they haven't really said how tall she is but yeah this was the same thing i believe bobby wagner was wondering in a previous episode the bigger concern is can you reach the pedals so she elaborates that she's led the hunt for over 2,000 years, so we have a bit of context of how old she might be, and she hasn't gotten any wiser, pointing to the fact that Artemis is gone, so clearly she hasn't learned anything. But Percy tells her that she can't blame herself for that. Zoe says that she should have insisted joining Artemis in her quest after the monster, but Percy assures her that any monster powerful enough to capture Artemis would have been unbeatable. Zoe being there wouldn't really have made a difference. He says it in a way that doesn't make him sound like he's putting Zoe down. As I was writing the notes for this, I kept rewriting it of, how do I find a way? Because he's not blaming her. He's just <laughs> kind of saying, this monster is going to be really scary. You being there wouldn't have made a difference. But it's not because of your ability. It's because of the monster slash the situation. So they continue upstream. The cliffs grow taller, and Percy takes out Riptide in pen form. Zoe then has a pained expression on her face. And Percy says, you made this. And Zoe wonders, who told him? And Percy says that he saw it in a dream, and Zoe says that it was a gift and a mistake. And Percy asks who the hero was. Zoe says she never wants to say that name again. Percy's confused because she's talking about him like Percy should already know his name. And Zoe says that he should because don't all boys want to be like him? And then I was trying to think of who this person could be. I wonder if it's Hercules. 
Because that feels like the kind of role model type thing that boys would want. I know in an earlier episode, we were wondering, is it Poseidon? I thought it maybe was Apollo. But because of the all boys want to be like him type thing, it feels like more of a hero character. So I'm thinking Hercules. And as things continue on, I think I might be right. Or I'm conflating Hercules with a different myth and I'm completely wrong. Mm, Okay. Thank you for it. This has nothing to do with your guess, but this is a spoiler alert for the like Marvel Universe if you haven't seen Thor 4 yet. I'm so excited for Brett Goldstein to be Hercules. He was so good in Ted Lasso. Yes. Ugh. I'm very excited. I didn't know this because I haven't seen Thor 4 yet, but that's okay. Not a big spoiler. If anything, now I have more incentive to see Thor 4 because, yeah, I like Ted Lasso a lot. I very much enjoyed that show. Absolutely devoured it when it came out. It was a very fun moment because it was the summer before season two came out and we were home in Texas visiting my parents and Kelly's parents. And we were spending like a full month at my parents' place after spending a full month at Kelly's parents' place. And we were trying to think of like nighttime activities to do. And sometimes we'd play board games or watch TV shows or whatever. And I had heard of Ted Lasso and I had it recommended to me by so many friends. And then I thought, oh, this will be perfect. My mom likes sentimental sweet things. My dad likes sports. Kelly plays soccer. I've heard the show is really funny. This is the perfect show for us to watch. So we decided, yeah, let's just like watch one episode. And then we watched four. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day we said we were just going to watch a couple. And then, of course, we watched the rest of season one. But then it timed up perfectly where we finished it at... 11.01, but because we were in Houston, it was central time, and it was midnight Eastern, so episode one of season two dropped, so then we ended up watching episode one of season two together. Very, very good show. Can't recommend it enough, and I also can't recommend enough Brett Goldstein's podcast. Have you listened to it? I did not know he had made a podcast. Yeah, so he has a podcast called Films to be Buried With. It's funny because it's so old that he started it when he was just, you know, a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, all that kind of stuff, before he got really big with Ted Lasso. So it's a really good podcast. He just has different actors and comedians on. Most of them are British, but as he gains more clout, he gets some other folks that are either involved in Ted Lasso or just big names outside of the British circle of folks. And he has this premise where the guest has died and gone to heaven. And in this version of heaven, they ask you about your life through film. So he asks them, what's the first movie you remember watching? What's the scariest movie? The one that made you cry the most, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very good podcast. He's clearly a huge movie buff. And it's also fun if you listen to the intros. It's kind of like what I feel like if you go back and listen to old Potterless episodes where you could hear it become a bigger thing. It's funny to hear him say, oh, I'm working on this show. I had to fly to LA. (laughs) And then he's talking more. Yeah, we have this TV show coming out. I'm working, you know, with some really funny folks. And then he'll say, oh, there's this new Apple TV show I'm in. It just released episode one. It's called Ted Lasso. And then, you know, it's like, oh, we got nominated for a thousand Emmys. <laughs> it's a great podcast. And if you like Brett Goldstein, you would love it. Okay, I will definitely check it out. Anyway, free promo of this podcast <laughs> over. It's a, genuinely a great show. Anyway, Percy Jackson, Zoe sounds a bit bitter when she's talking about Riptide and this hero, etc. So Percy wonders if Riptide is cursed, which is pretty funny. He then asks her, your mother was a water goddess? And Zoe confirms that Pleione was indeed a water goddess and had five daughters called the Hesperides, which I really want to know more about from Dr. Moya. Percy says, quote, those were the girls who lived in a garden at the edge of the West with a golden apple tree and a dragon guarding it. Zoe confirms and identifies the dragon as Laden, which is what we saw slash heard them talking about in the dream. 
And then I wondered, ooh, is this the same dragon that gave Luke his scar? Because Mm. what she says soon makes it sound awfully familiar. Percy asks, weren't there only four sisters? And Zoe confirms that she was exiled. So this is where I'm thinking either this is true and, and Zoe's either a character or inspired by a character in ancient Greek mythology. Or Uncle Rick has a very clever way of adding this character. Here's why you've never heard of her. And either way, I love it. Now, again, I feel like Hercules is a good guess because I thought that one of his challenges or quests was to get the apple from this garden. But I also realized it could be another hero like a Theseus or a Perseus. I don't remember if it was one of them or not, but I just remember Luke being upset that his task was a repeat, like someone had already done it before. So that's why I'm thinking, but I can't remember exactly who it is, but I don't want to Google anything because I don't want to know. I want to be more in the dark. But anyway, Zoe explains that she was exiled for betraying her family and helping a hero. Quote, you won't find that in the legend either. He never spoke of me after his direct assault on Leyden failed. I gave him the idea of how to steal the apples, how to trick my father, but he took all the credit. And I was worried for a bit. Oh man, don't tell me. Don't tell me it's Luke. But then I remembered that Percy described him wearing very, very old school looking attire. So I felt relieved that it wasn't Luke. Feels like it's got to be way in the past. She is 2000 years old. Very true. Very true. (laughs) Now, before Percy can say anything else, the naiads get Percy's attention to say that they can't go farther because they approach a dam that is the size of a football field. And Thalia confirms to my suspicions, that it is the Hoover Dam and there's tourists atop it and everything. And I do think this is genius for Uncle Rick to make every sort of big tourist trap thing now a Percy Jackson thing. So you can go and then take a picture and say, oh, look, it's the thing from Percy Jackson. And he's just kind of like rebranding giant well-known monuments as canonical Percy Jackson things. It's absolutely brilliant. And we will discuss this and your experience at the Hoover Dam more after the Titan's Purse, where we talk about really fun things that are going on. Maybe the new merch is out. I think it is. We're working on it, so I think you can buy it. Anyway, listen to me talk about stuff. Wee. Hello and welcome to the Titan's Purse, Texas edition. I'm coming to you live from the closet of my sister's bedroom here at Barb and Joel's place in Houston, Texas. And this bedroom always makes me think of why I didn't ask for this room. Instead, we moved to Texas right before I started high school. And right as my sister was starting college, she barely lived here, yet she still got the bigger room as my older sister. Why didn't a young Mike Schubert protest? There have been discussions about me liking the layout of the other room more. But why did I not protest for the bigger room? I've had the smaller room my entire life. Anyway, this is not a therapy session. This is the mid-roll break for the newest Olympian. First things first, got to get a quick apology out of the way. Later in this episode, I will say that Bessie sounds distressed, and I did not say distressed. I am truly sorry. I will not let a pun opportunity like this pass in the future, and I promise to do better. Second, speaking of Texas, I've got a Texas live show coming up on October 9th. We will be in Dallas, Texas to do a half TNO, half Potterless, all fun times podcast live show. There will be special guests. There will be lots of silliness. And it is a Sunday matinee show. You can get tickets right now at thenewsolympian.com. We'll be covering the second chapter of the fourth book, The Battle of the Labyrinth. Yes, I'm on to book four in the future. Whoa! 
Third, if you saw the TNO scheduling announcement for October, which by the way, that's always available at thenewestolympian.com slash about. You can see what's ahead for the next month if you want to know what chapters to read. I usually post them to Instagram and Twitter as well. But if you have seen that, you've seen that on October 30th, which would normally be a Monday that we're taking off because October has five Mondays, we're doing a bonus episode. And that bonus episode is the Stephen Para King fundraiser event. Stephen Para, a very nice human being that you know from this podcast, was being a very nice human being and helping Kelly and I put our stuff into storage as we travel for a bit before we return to New York City. And when he parked his car, he thought he was in a safe spot, but the sign was very confusing and the parking app still let him pay there, but it was against the rules and the New York Police Department booted his car and then purposefully delayed the unbooting process so that he would get towed and then impounded. It was a whole mess and I'm still very angry about it because he was just trying to be nice. He was even going to drive us to the airport afterwards. He's a very kind human and he didn't deserve this treatment from the NYPD. So we're doing an extra episode. We're going to take the ad money and half of it I will donate to charity and half of it will be going towards the Stephen Parra had to pay lots of money for trying to do a nice thing. And then it was a really stressful medical week for him where he had interviews and work and he had to take Ubers and rent a car. It was a mess. It's ridiculous. So we're going to do an extra episode. We're going to do a Q&A. So we're going to answer as many questions as we can. There will be two ways to submit questions. One, if you go to thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon right now, there is a post that is up where you can comment your questions. I'm going to give preference to the patron questions. Sorry, it's just I'm going to give preference to the people who are making my job possible. The other way is going to be on social media posts that I will post later this week. I'll put it on Instagram and on Twitter. If you follow us at News Olympian, you will see them. Those will be up in a couple days, but you can either comment or reply to those. And that's where all the questions will be stored. So Patreon now, social media later, preference to Patreon. Those will be the questions and Stephen and I are going to record it later this week so get them in by Friday morning. Speaking of the Patreon I want to give a shout out to our newest patrons so shout out to our newest God tier patrons Lydia Thompson, Megan Malachek Christina Kidd, Dipper N and Kirsten Ellis and shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons Cassie Sonstegard, Joe Elizabeth Rogers, KitKat984 Minnie Mikachen and Bob the Mad Titan. Thank you all so much for your support may Apollo bless you whenever you find yourself in a very sunny place like Texas that you don't get sunburned that the sun's not too harsh on you also, if you're all caught up in the News Olympian and you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, why don't you check out one of the other shows that I created, host, produced, sometimes edit, called Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is a game show podcast for charity where I serve as the host and guests compete in a contest of solving children's mysteries from classics like Encyclopedia Brown and Scooby-Doo. They get points for correct guesses or bonus points for funny things that they say, and whoever has the most points at the end of the episode earns money for a charity of their choosing. We've already made three full seasons of the show. I'm currently making season four. There's been a bit of a delay in the production of it, but I'm excited to have that all into your ear holes soon, but you can listen to the whole back catalog of episodes and future episodes to come if you go to meddlingadults.com or by searching for Meddling Adults wherever you listen to your podcasts. And before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally, so if you live in Texas, don't be surprised if you hear an ad for the Kalachi Factory, and if you do, let me know, because if the Kalachi Factory is indirectly sponsoring my show, I gotta reach out to them immediately to get a direct sponsorship going. I need more kolaches inside of my stomach. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. 
Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. And we're back. Hoover Dam. When'd you go? How was it? Let's hear it. I went like 2016 and we were in Vegas at the end of our spring break trip as a family. And the Hoover Dam was right there because there's nothing to do in Vegas if you don't want to gamble. And we were just trying to use up our timeshare for the year. <laughs> but it's cool. It is huge. Yeah. We went down the elevators. I remember it going on for a while. And I think it's really deep underground. My ears were popping and everything. Okay. It's very cool. I would love to go. I also have no desire to do any gambling in Vegas or spend lots of money. But Grand Canyon, Hoover Dam, that sounds really fun. I do think it's funny contrasting this with the Archway, which you went to recently. How was that? That was really cool as well. <laughs> the only reason I've ever wanted to visit St. Louis was to see the Arch because ever since I read Percy Jackson, I was like, I need to see these monuments. They're cool. <laughs> And I went up the arch. You can barely see out of it. The windows are really tiny and they're super fogged up. But it's just cool to go up. There's this little like rickety tram thing that takes you up because it's like too curved for an elevator to work. There's like a whole like presentation video you get when you go in, but it's really cool and they have a museum. That's fun. And my point here, I think it's funny that we have two situations where Percy is going to an iconic American monument that involves a crammed elevator situation but with the arch he's going up and with the <laughs> dam he's going down similar but contrasting situations so the naiads leave in a huff they are clearly miffed that the dam is blocking a perfectly good river and then we get this very sweet exchange percy says 700 feet tall built in the 1930s thalia says 5 million cubic acres of water grover says largest construction project in the united states zoe says how do you know all that percy <laughs> says annabeth she liked architecture thalia says she was nuts about monuments grover says spouted facts all the time and then he sniffles and says so annoying which means he doesn't actually think it's annoying and percy says i wish she was here adorable heartbreaking but also informative because i didn't know much about the hoover dam <laughs> so i thought it was pretty good that it answered lots of my questions percy thinks that it's just cruel fate that they have finally arrived at one of annabeth's favorite monuments without her i did think it's kind of funny i'll have to talk to kelly about this but i don't really know that a big dam counts as architecture but anyway <laughs> we move on i don't want to disparage annabeth's good name but i don't really know that you would call it dam i know it's like a really ambitious project right that's all i remember from the informational video <laughs> Yeah, all I know about it is, you know, one or two paragraphs from a history class textbook once. But yeah, I know it was like a big deal and it's kind of like a modern marvel. So that's cool. And I hope it's doing good things. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it's useful. Mm. Percy wants to go up there so that they can tell her that they did. Zoe wants to go up there because there's a road. So win-win. Let's go. If I were Annabeth, I would be really salty that they went up without her. Oh, like, you think the reverse. Yeah, oh. they're like, oh, we're going to tell her we saw it. But <laughs> they tell her, we went to your like favorite monument. And she's like, you went up without me instead of waiting <laughs> to rescue me and then bringing me there afterwards so I could see it too. <laughs> That's very funny. I didn't think of that. That's really good. Yeah, I don't know how I would feel. I don't know if there's any big thing that I've been dying to see. 
And if my friends went, would I be mad or not? Hmm. Hmm. I'd have to think, but that's a really good perspective. So after an hour or so of walking, they find a path to the road. And atop of the dam, it is cold and windy because it's just so high up. There's a big lake on one side. And then on the other side is what Percy describes as the world's most dangerous skateboard ramp. And I got to give a shout out to Skate the Video Game. I believe in the first one, there is a portion where you can skate down a giant dam. And it's very, very fun. Thalia walks in the middle of the road because she is scared of being on the heights side of things. Grover sniffs the wind and looks nervous. He doesn't say anything, but Percy knows that it's him smelling monsters. And I was really upset. Grover, you gotta speak up. Come on, G-Man, let us know. But thankfully, the next sentence, Percy asks, how close are the monsters? And Grover says that they may not be close. It could just be the wind on the lake and the fact that there's desert all around them resulting in the scent traveling for miles. But what he doesn't like is that the smell is coming from several directions. And I forgot, can Grover smell the skeletons or no? I don't know. I guess they technically are monsters. Yeah. But I don't think he specifically smelled them yet. Right. That's what I thought too. But then I did recall the last time he was confronted by them, he was in his whole pan euphoria. But I don't remember if when they were in DC, if he smelled them or not. So I don't know if he was smelling them or something else. I was a bit curious and a little confused. But Percy agrees he doesn't like the smell coming from every direction angle of it. And Percy reminds us that it's Wednesday. It's two days from the solstice. They really got to get going. Thalia says that there is a snack bar in the visitor center. And then I remembered, all right, this is a thing. Because I've definitely seen the damn snack bar somewhere. I was thinking this would be in Camp Half-Blood, not at the Hoover Dam. But here we are. Percy asks, you've been here before? And Thalia says, yes, to see the guardians and points to two big bronze statues on a plaza carved into the side of the cliff. Were these things real and are they there? Yes, they do exist. And I have pictures. Okay, cool. We'll have to put them on the Instagram for this episode. Did you touch the toes? No, I think it's gross. (laughs) Okay, I would agree. Are they brighter like they are described? Okay, very interesting. Lots of tourists. Yeah, sounds about right. Thalia says that they were dedicated to Zeus when the dam was built. They are a gift from Athena. Tourists surround them and rub their toes because they think it's good luck. Mortals don't know that they are sacred to Zeus, but they know they are special. I do want to now ask someone who is a Hoover Dam expert to know what the non-Greek explanation of the statues are. Is it just because they look cool? I don't know if you remember if there was anything. I tried looking it up, but are the guardians at the Hoover Dam dedicated to Zeus resulted in nothing? So I want to know if this implies that whoever built the statues or like commissioned them or whatever in the Percy Jackson universe, does that imply that that person was a demigod or like some Greek figure to dedicate them to Zeus? I would think so. Yeah, they said they're a gift from Athena. So did Athena just make them or did she have a child of Athena or did she commission someone (laughs) to make them? But I know guardians like this are a thing because they're also in Cleveland. I believe they're on Mm. a bridge in Cleveland because the Cleveland baseball team is now called the Cleveland Guardians. They used to be called the Cleveland Indians and they rebranded. And Eric Schneider, one of my good podcast buddies, he lives in Cleveland and he was explaining that the Guardians as the name is actually really cool because they're these big iconic things over a bridge in Cleveland. So it at least is a thing that people used to do when building old stuff. So maybe it was just a practice that people would do and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but maybe I'll learn. If you know stuff about them, shoot me an email. We'd love to learn about the Hoover Dam Guardians. 
Percy asks if the Guardians told her anything. Thalia's face sinks as if that's 100% the reason why she went there, but she says that they don't do anything. They're just big metal statues, and I feel like they definitely do something. They are not just big metal statues. <laughs> and then we get this very great exchange that I believe is the reason everyone was telling me to record myself reading chapter 14. Zoe says, let us find the damn snack bar. We should eat while we can. Grover then smiles and says, the damn snack bar? Zoe blinks and goes, yes, what is funny? (laughs) Grover says, nothing, and he's trying to keep a straight face. I could use some damn french fries. And that causes Thalia to smile and say, and I need to use the damn restroom. And the narrator Percy says, maybe it was the fact that we were so tired and strung out emotionally, but I started cracking up, and Thalia and Grover joined in while Zoe just looked at us. I do not understand. (laughs) Grover says, I want to use the damn water fountain. And Thalia says, And, and she tries to catch her breath, I want to buy a damn t-shirt. And this is very funny. And here is the audio of me reading this section of the book. Now, this is not to say that this isn't funny, because this is very funny. And this is also not to blame the audience of TNO. I think this is just because it's out there in the Percy Jackson zeitgeist. But the combination of me seeing damn in a lot of different places, and then also the chapter title, and then also them getting to the Hoover Dam, I didn't necessarily find this laugh out loud funny. I think it's a very funny situation. It's very clever, but I didn't laugh out loud when I read this. I will say, because I read this first when I was 10, I thought it was the funniest joke possible because it was like the skirting around the no cursing in children's books. And I definitely well actually my parents a lot. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not saying a bad word. I'm saying damn without the N because I'm talking about the Hoover Dam and things related to the Hoover Dam. (laughs) Yeah, it is absolutely prime for the target audience. I am not discounting it at all. I'm not saying people were wrong to have me read it. I just think the joke kind of got ruined for me, but I'll take it given that I really haven't had a whole lot of other things spoiled for me, either before the podcast or during, but I would just give a general warning to anyone out there. Even if you think something is the smallest, not big spoiler, any tiny thing can ruin something like this. Even if you do a thing, like if you ever consider sending me a message or commenting on something that would have you do the smirking emoji after it, don't do it. I forget what it was, but there was something, thankfully I was so far ahead that an episode came out and someone said, oh, you'll just have to see about this thing you said. Just don't tell me. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know who's cast in the movies. I don't want to know characters that are coming back. I don't want to know, oh, you said this thing thinking it would be this, but it's actually going to come out book five tell me nothing i don't not not just don't say anything if you really need to say something go to the facebook group that is spoiler filled or in the discord channels that are spoiler filled because i don't read those if you will combust if you don't make some sort of comment do it in a safe space where my eyes don't read anything dms are not safe i check dms because sometimes people say important things like hey one of the local sponsors is really weird you should get it blocked or all of the episodes are off of Spotify. What's going on? You know, <laughs> So I check DMs. Don't send me any sort of hint about anything at all. Nothing at all, please. I will say this is a huge merch opportunity. And oh. I don't know how they haven't made it yet. I guess they're only on the first book series. Mm-hmm. But so much good merch that yeah. could be made. I would imagine that they're going to do it. And as much as I would love to make some of this merch, I don't want to make any Percy Jackson merch because I don't want to get sued by Disney. So that's why all of the merch I make is things about the podcast, like Pro Pigeon Podcast and stuff, because I don't know, the pigeon union's not going to sue me. I'm very pro pigeon. It's because pigeons aren't real. <laughs> 
But yes, this was a damn good exchange. I got to hand it to him. Have you ever had something like this where you just laugh ridiculously about something that isn't that funny? All the time. Okay. I think <laughs> tiny things are super funny. Okay. And half the times I'm laughing at my own jokes or like laughing at the jokes I'm about to try to tell my friends that I'll like not be able to tell them because I'm <laughs> laughing so hard. One time in biology class, I was laughing so hard because my teacher wouldn't let me talk with my hands and made me sit on them to try to explain something. And because I like felt my hands like trying to like make the gestures while I was sitting on them, I was laughing so hard for five minutes. Everyone in my class just stared at me, laughing uncontrollably with like no noise in my chair to the point where I had to like go up and get tissues because I was crying laughing so hard. Amazing. And I couldn't explain to anyone because <laughs> no one thought it was funny. They thought I was just wasting time. <laughs> For me, this reminded me of I was doing an improv festival in Hawaii when I lived in Seattle with my Seattle improv troupe, a troupe called Yes. And we were about to take the stage and it's a hip hop themed improv thing. So in the green room, we were talking about Will Smith and all of his ad libs that he does. You know, he goes, woo, ha 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 ha, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we kept just doing all of these as we were warming up and we we're already making ourselves laugh. And then a door to the green room opened and closed and nobody came in or out and we all turned around and got really scared and asked who was it. And then someone in our group said, oh, it must have been the ghost of Will Smith. And we all started to laugh. And then someone else said, boo-hoo! And <laughs> uh, we collapsed. We just, uh, we were just on the floor crying, laughing <laughs> for a very long time. Boo-hoo was exactly what I thought of here with them just uncontrollably laughing about damn, so... Great stuff. Anyway, Percy Jackson. So they hear a moo, but it seems like only Grover and Percy can hear it. And Percy tells them to go ahead and he'll be back. So he goes over to the lake and it's our friend from before, Bessie. Percy asks Bessie why she's here and she sounds distressed. Bessie wants Percy to follow her. Something is clearly wrong. And then Percy sees two zombies approach. Not good. Not what you want to see. So he runs to the visitor center. And just before he gets there, he hears the tires of a van squeal and even more skeletons get out. He rushes into the museum entrance. He goes past the security guard and through the exhibits. And the one that I actually did find very funny is as narrator Percy, he's trying to figure out where his friends are. And he's looking around frantically and he goes, where was the damn snack bar? <laughs> that one was good. I thought that was the best usage. Percy sneaks into an elevator filled with a tour group. It begins to descend to the bottom. And then the tour guide says, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the elevator hardly ever breaks. And this feels like a line someone from the Tower of Terror would say to make you laugh about the scariness that's about to take place. But also, that's such a weird thing for a tour guide to say. Yes. Why would, like, who tells someone, oh yeah, by the way, this elevator hardly ever breaks. Exactly, which is why that You're would- You're going <laughs> down like a one-way hole to death, essentially. Yeah, that's exactly why this made me think of Tower of Terror. Like, imagine you get in, they always say something ominous, and then they would say something like, don't worry, folks, this elevator hardly ever breaks. And then they shut the door. That's the kind of thing where everybody would laugh and stuff. Because you're right, no tour guide would ever say this in their right mind. Percy asks if it goes to the snack bar. Some people chuckle. She says it goes down to the turbines. And then Percy is made uncomfortable by her gaze. So I thought, okay, let me go back to her description. Because I kind of just thought, all right, they're just describing the tour guide. I'm not going to write this down. But narrator Percy said, she was a park ranger with long black hair pulled back in a ponytail and tinted glasses. And I thought, all right, this is nothing ridiculous or unique yet. Soon mm. we'll get a little uh, key into what's going on here. Percy asks if there is another way out of the dam. She says it's a dead end, and the only way out is the elevator. 
And at this, I got scared. But then as it continues, I thought, is the tour guide good? Because on the way out, the tour guide gets Percy's attention after telling the group there's another tour guide who will take you through. And she says, there is always a way out for those clever enough to find it. And clever might as well have been written in size 8,000 font. And I thought, oh, Athena. (laughs) And my suspicions were confirmed because she takes off her glasses. And then the narrator says that she had eyes that were, quote, startlingly gray like storm clouds. So yeah, a thousand percent. This is Athena. What I want to know is so many gods have broken the like rule that they can't help heroes on their quests. And I want to know just how much paperwork they have to do for Zeus to like not get them in trouble or something. Yeah, I am intrigued. I am wondering if we ever have a situation, maybe it'll happen later in the book, if we have the solstice meeting. I wonder if Zeus ever does get upset or if it's kind of generally accepted. This is the rule. You can't help them. But yeah, you could kind of like vaguely push them along. Like I wonder if it's an accepted thing Or if you're right, he makes them fill out a lot of paperwork. (laughs) Percy then hears the ding of a second elevator, which I thought was very scary. And then he hears the clatter of skeleton teeth. I'm intrigued to see how they do this in the show because they could make these really scary or if they're going more towards kids, they could make them not that scary. But I don't know if you've ever played The Last of Us, the zombie survival PlayStation game. No. But they have these really scary zombies called clickers that just make this terrifying noise and they could go all the way in that direction with this if they wanted but i'm interested to see how kids show they go Mm. with it but yeah the clattering of teeth i don't like it i don't like it i feel like if they went the like kids show approach they could do something similar to that one snl sketch that was pumpkin david s pumpkins yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah maybe the chattering teeth will just sound like one of those wind up toys and it's not anything scary but they really could make this horrifying if they wanted to percy runs through he enters the turbine room and he sneaks his way through the crowd with his hand on riptide just in case he finds a little hallway and he enters and he hears what he thinks is a skeleton noise so he turns around and slashes his sword but it's actually a girl with a tissue Now, she ends up being okay, which puts Percy at ease knowing, okay, cool, she's mortal. That's fine. She asks Percy if he always kills people for blowing their nose, which is a very funny thing to ask. And then she asks how he got the sword through security. Now, Percy's very confused because, wait, if you're okay, that means you're mortal. But how could you see what the sword looks like? Shouldn't it look like a pen to you? Narrator Percy says the following. The girl rolled her eyes, which were green like mine... Mm. She had frizzy, reddish-brown hair. Her nose was also red, like she had a cold. She wore a big maroon Harvard sweatshirt and jeans that were covered with marker stains and little holes, like she spent her free time poking them with a fork. I'm very intrigued about this person. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. I have no guess. She's also shockingly chill. Yes! someone who almost got sliced by a sword that just passed through her, coincidentally. Yeah! Very strange. So she asks what the sword is and also what's up with the lion fur. And Percy is very confused. I'm very confused. I really want to know who this is. He checks his sleeves to make sure it's still a jacket. And it is so extra strange that to her it looks like the Nemean lion fur. Unfortunately, he doesn't really have time to worry about this because the skeletons are approaching. And he thinks back to Westover when Thalia talked about manipulating the mist. And I thought, oh, cool, maybe he's going to do it. So he concentrates. He snaps his fingers and he says, you don't see a sword. It's just a ballpoint pen. And she says, um, no, it's a sword, (laughs) weirdo, which is a great response. Very, very funny moment. Did he really think that was going to work, though? I don't know, man. Like, (laughs) if he did, that's a pretty bad attempt, Percy. Come on, dude. 
Percy asks who she is, and she says, Rachel Elizabeth Dare. Now, are you going to answer my, in italics, questions, or should I scream for security? And Percy pleads with her not to do that. He explains he's in danger. She looks behind him and then calls for him to hide in the bathroom. So he slips into the boys' room alone, leaving her out there, and then he immediately worries, oh my god, why did I do that? He hears the sound of the skeletons, and he thinks, did I make the wrong choice leaving a mortal girl out there? But she plays them. She says, quote, oh my god, did you see that kid? It's about time you got here. He tried to kill me. He had a sword for God's sake. You security guys to let a sword-swinging lunatic inside a national landmark? I mean, geez, he ran that way toward the turbine thingies. I think he went over the side or something. Maybe he fell. Love this. She's great. She'd be great on the improv team with Grover. (laughs) Get her on the laugh bloods. The skeletons clatter their teeth in excitement and they leave. And Rachel then opens the door to get Percy and she looks a bit shaken up, but she tells him that the coast is clear, but he should hurry. She asks what those things were. Percy tells her to forget them and to forget him. And then she asks, should I also forget that you tried to kill me? And he says, yes, forget that too. (laughs) She asks who he is and he says, Percy. And he's about to say his last name, but then the skeletons turn around. So he says, gotta go. And she asks, what kind of name is Percy gotta go? No notes. I I love love Rachel. Rachel. She's so good. (laughs) I really hope she comes back. I feel like she has to. With such an introduction like this, she can't just be a one-off character. And if she is, I'll be crushed. So narrator Percy runs away. He gets to the cafe. As the narrator, he says, the cafe was packed with kids enjoying the best part of the tour, the damn lunch. And at this point, I thought, all right, rule of threes. (laughs) You've gone too far, Uncle Rick. Come on. He continues, Thalia, Zoe, and Grover were just sitting down with their food. So Percy runs up to them and frantically says that they have to go. Thalia goes, oh, but we just got our burritos. I like that they are exclusively eating Mexican slash Tex-Mex cuisine, (laughs) which is very on brand for Uncle Rick, a Texan himself. But yeah, we've got Grover loving enchiladas. We have them eating tacos previously. Now they're eating burritos. What's next? Quesadillas, empanadas. (laughs) But also this line is so funny to me because... They know the monsters are there, but they're like, but our burritos. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, at least burritos, you can eat them on the go. It's not like they got a plate of food. Enchiladas, you can't really take on the go. Burrito, you can grab and go. You should be all right. Now, Zoe then mutters an ancient Greek curse and points out that the skeletons are approaching. There are two on the dam road blocking the way to Arizona. There are three on the west blocking the way to Nevada. There's three already inside the cafe, and then three more come out of the elevator that Grover had identified as their potential escape route. So now all 11 skeletons are here. Narrator Percy says, Then Grover had a brilliant, totally Grover-like idea. Grover yells, Burrito fight! I don't know why he didn't just yell food fight. Unless this place only sells burritos, but okay. And he flings his guacamole grande at a skeleton. Narrator Percy then says something that I think is the wildest thing he's ever said as the narrator. Quote, now, if you have never been hit by a flying burrito, count yourself lucky. In terms of deadly projectiles, it's right up there with grenades and cannonballs. Grover's lunch hit the skeleton and knocked his skull clean off his shoulders. I'm not sure what the other kids in the cafe saw, but they went crazy and started throwing their burritos and baskets of chips and sodas at each other, shrieking and screaming. What is in this burrito? (laughs) I know this is just supposed to be fun, and I'm not trying to suck all of the fun out of this. I've never been hit in the face with a burrito, but why is he acting like it's a cinder block? I'm so (laughs) confused by this. (laughs) But also, if the burrito isn't wrapped, if they're just like open burrito, not open burritos, but if they're burritos without like foil on them, they would just explode open in the air, right? Yeah, I know that there is a practice that some people do where you will drop a burrito onto a plate and then one of the two sides will kind of come more open. And that is supposed to inform you on which end to eat the burrito from. 
So I know that's kind of a thing, but yeah, I would imagine if you chuck a burrito, it would mostly come apart. But even if you get hit with a wrap burrito, like, yeah, it's going to hurt. Not a cannonball or a grenade, but also Grover specifically threw a guacamole one. I feel like meat is heavier than avocados. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I just found this strange. I know it's just supposed to be funny, but it was too much where I was just taking myself out of the fun of it to go, what, 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 what? The skeletons try to aim their guns, but it's just absolute madness in the cafe. The crew escapes the cafe and runs to the plaza with the guardians. Skeletons approach and form a crescent shape around them, and eventually all 11 arrive. Some of them do have food and bits sticking out of their bones, which I think is very funny. And in this moment, I thought, wow, having Bianca would be very convenient right now since Mm -hmm. she's the only person who can make these disappear. Percy catches the glint of the guardian toe and comments on how bright it is. And Dahlia basically says, now's not the time, Percy, come on. And I wrote in my notes, or is it? (laughs) Percy thinks to what the tour guide said and tells Thalia to pray to Zeus. She doesn't want to because he never answers, but Percy pleads with her to try it again because he thinks the statues can give them some luck. She doesn't want to, and he yells at her to do it and that it'll be different this time. And she asks, who says? And he replies, Athena, I think, which is great. And I felt very good because the very easy guess I made (laughs) might be correct. Grover then joins in, telling Thalia to try. So she begins. And Percy also does a little prayer to Athena, but nothing happens. So Percy raises Riptide, Thalia raises Aegis, Zoe pushes Grover behind her and draws her bow, and then the angels come to life to defend them! All of the skeletons just get sent flying by the wings, knocking them away. Narrator Percy then says the following exchange, which ends the chapter. Man, it feels good to stand up, the first angel said. His voice sounded tinny and rusty, like he hadn't had a drink since he'd been built. Will you look at my toes, the other said? Holy Zeus, what were those tourists thinking? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. The skeletons are then all starting to get up, so Thalia yells to the statues to get them out of there. They ask if she is Zeus's kid. She confirms. One grabs Thalia and Percy. The other grabs Zoe and Grover, and they fly away. And that is the end of chapter 14 and the end of this episode of The Newest Olympian. Good chapter. I'm glad you called dibs on it. Was it just because of the damn thing, or was it because of Rachel? Was it a combination of lots of factors? It was a combination. The only thing I really remembered was the damn joke, but this is one of the chapters that I always come back to, even if I'm not reading the whole book. Again, I'm always wanting to reread this chapter, so I was like, this must be a good one to pick. Yeah, you picked a good one. It was very fun, and you'll be back for our next episode where we will be covering chapter 15, which will be a very good time. But in the meantime, is there anything that you would like to plug or shout out? Maybe the new newest Olympian TikTok that you are running? <laughs> yeah, I run the newest Olympian TikTok. It's at newest Olympian. When I say I ru- I'm running it, I mean I'm posting the videos <laughs> when Mike sends them to me. <laughs> or you can follow me on my TikTok, which has kind of become inactive, but it's overnight totes with two T's in the middle. Or you can go to my website, which hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I will have made look cool. It's SherryGuo.com. Yes. Let's hope that that is the case. And let's hope that I've sent you more videos. People did give you a lot of credit for the bio description of (laughs) the newest Olympian TikTok saying Mike is not on TikTok. Doesn't that mimic what Uncle Rick says about him on Twitter? Yeah. So people are like, oh, that's very funny. I was like, not only is it very funny, but I think she's also making an in- normal universe Rick Riordan reference like it's, there's layers to it so it's been very fun we'll have to get more stuff on there it's also very fun when people sometimes on the first video would comment OMG he came and got a TikTok and then they would reply to themselves ah I read the bio <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, Sherry, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, when we see what's going on with these big metal statues with shiny toes, I'll pursue you later. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The New Stolympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schuber. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanas and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. In case you haven't heard, we have lots of TNO live shows coming up. You can get tickets to all of those upcoming shows at thenewsolympian.com slash live. If you're all caught up in the show and you just can't get enough, I'd recommend checking out our Patreon at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. You can get access to a bunch of bonus content. You'll also be able to watch that Hades the Video Game stream that Steven Parra and I are doing slash have done, depending on when you're listening to this. And you'll also get access to our Discord community, which is a lot of fun. If you're looking to find other communities that aren't linked to the Patreon, you can find us on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the News Olympian. And I also just launched a TikTok that is being run by Sherry. It's at News Olympian as well. I'd also love to give a big shout out to our producer level patrons, Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Emma Cooey, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Tough Bay Fong, Moo Moo Productions, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Can't I See Weed Brain, Peter Johnson, The Twin, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Colby, Marco Redhouse, Falcon Joey, James, Christopher William Boucher, Lux, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Carly Allen, Riley Kitas, Mary Kelly, Audra McKenji, Mrs. O'Leary, Aaron Wood, Tyler Hendricks, Molly Snyder, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Christ, CC Reads 23, Sandkopf, Julia Kendall, ML Oscar Thomason, Noah Bunga, Liz Cardigan, Shatzebobs, Miss Zeus's Kid, Michelle Spurgeon, and Zachary Hamilton. If you want to help out the show non-monetarily, the best way to do so is via word of mouth. Whether you tell someone about the show who you think would like the show, someone who loves Percy Jackson, or someone who's been looking for an excuse to read Percy Jackson, or if you talk about us on social media, or if you leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using, any of those help, and I appreciate anyone who has done or will do those in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you listened to this episode, and I hope you tune into our next episode where we will be rejoined by Sherry Guo, but this time we'll be talking chapter 15 of Percy Jackson and the Titan's Curse, but until then, I'll pursue you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. So as mentioned in the mid-roll section of this episode, I am inside of the bedroom of my sister here at Barbara and Joel's place. I'm just gonna do some ASMR of the things that are around me. So here's me tapping on some shoeboxes. Here's me rustling a scarf. Here is me rubbing the top of what appears to be like furniture for dolls and stuff, but like nice furniture. And here is me running my fingers up and down the door to the aforementioned closet. I hope you've enjoyed and thank you for listening. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and... Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. 
With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.